In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. These short verses in Luke chapter 17 about the faith of a mustard seed and, and being unworthy servants remind me of the, um, the massive shoulders that I stand in every week that I preach here. You have the Apostle Paul, St. Augustine, Joseph Butler, and Phillips Brooks, men of tremendous faith. And I think uh, from this passage, especially of Phillips Brooks over here to, on my left, your right, Phillips Brooks is, uh, if he's known at all today, he is known as the, the author of the hymn, um, A Little Town of Bethlehem. But in his day, late 19th century, early 20th century, Episcopal priest and then bishop in the Boston area, he was known as an amazingly talented and gifted and powerful preacher. And outside his church, Trinity Church in Boston, there stands a statue of Phillips Brooks standing next to and out a, a little in front of a lectern with his hand raised in blessing. And behind the lectern is a hooded figure, clearly Jesus, with his hand on Phillips Brooks' shoulder. A reminder that Phillips Brooks stood with the, with the awareness of there was a hand authorizing his words, his words of blessing every time he spoke. In previous verses in chapter 17, of Luke, Jesus had been talking to all the disciples, all the followers. Now, in this brief two-part paragraph about faith and about being but unworthy servants, he turns to the apostles, those being sent to represent, those who go with their hand raised in blessing with the hand of Jesus on their shoulder. And that is, in fact, what the word apostle means, sent to represent. Think about the adjustments that Jesus is having to make among the disciples in their sense of what it would mean for them to be sent to represent. James and John, we know, had been looking for power for themselves. Would Jesus be represented by the way of pride? Simon the Zealot would have been looking for a forceful overthrow of the oppressors. Would Jesus be represented by the way of violence? Matthew's previous life would have, been, would have taught him to peddle influence with the constituted, if polluted, authorities. Would Jesus be represented by the way of accommodation? And Judas, according to John's gospel, was in it for the money. Would Jesus be represented by the way of greed? What Jesus wants his disciples to understand in these words about faith is this. It's not so much how much faith you have, it's that you understand that all that you have to offer is what faith you do have, big or small, in me and what I'm about. All that you have to leverage, all that you need to bring 
is faith. Faith in him. Faith in a kingdom that's going to be established by his death and resurrection. And that it's going to be spread by telling others about him. About his life on this earth, his death, his rising from the dead, his life now. Living among his people by the spirit and the promise of his return. Faith, big or little, in that story. Faith in him to represent me, he is saying. The tiniest bit of faith in that, that will change the world. And your greatness to go to the second half of the gospel reading today. Your greatness will be to accentuate your insignificance. I don't know about you, but I can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when his representatives could be seduced into thinking it was all about themselves. When people would name churches after them and pile on titles and deck them out in bling. You can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when it was all about the influence, when they might be invited into palaces or, say, a White House, becoming endorsers instead of pastors, when they would be subtly tempted to wield their position to win favors. You can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when those called to represent him found they could talk people into giving huge amounts of money to build cathedrals to their own egos and into providing them the means to become jet setters. You can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when those called to represent him might find them so, themselves so trusted that they could manipulate parishioners into allowing the violation of their bodies. You can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when those called to represent him would find that they could, they could sell an ego-affirming Jesus like some sort of marketable commodity. He can't help but wonder if Jesus couldn't foresee the day when those called to represent him would find that they could sell a Jesus of the left or a Jesus of the right to buttress some party's cause. That's why he wants those who represent to feel his hand on their shoulder all the time. Friends, all we have to commend is the faith. And in the end, to think of ourselves as worth treatment no better than what he himself received. And here is, friends, the great privilege to represent him, to be sent by him, to bless in his name. And our other scriptures today give us wonderful illustrations. An anticipation in Jeremiah, a fulfillment of fleshing out of it in Paul. In previous week's Old Testament readings, and we didn't read many of them, 
but they're in the lectionary, so go back and look them up. We, we read portions of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as you may know, is often dubbed the weeping prophet because mostly he's about bad news. As a boy in chapter 1, he's appointed over nations to pluck up and pull down and to build and to plant. In chapter 2, he calls out the priests for not knowing the Lord and changing gods. In chapter 18, he warns that the Lord is like a potter who sometimes has to start over and he's just about to throw away what he's been doing to start over again. And the question is, will the people be pliable in his hands or resistant? In chapter 4, he says, huh, I'm sorry, but desolation is coming. Your enemies are going to come and wipe you out, take you into captivity. In chapter 8, Jeremiah weeps. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. I mourn. And dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician that can make us well? Yet, in the reading from last week from chapter 32, there is the promise that there will be a return. Fields and vineyards that now are going to be abandoned, they will once again be bought and sold. And then today's passage, the beginning and towards the end of the book of Lamentations. Even in the midst of the desolation of the city, Jeremiah gets a beautiful glimpse of restoration, a glimpse made more, all the more beautiful because of the ugliness surrounding him, the, the city that lies in ruins. The steadfast love of the Lord endures. The, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. I will hope in him. And then in today's epistle, Paul opens this letter that he writes on the eve of his martyrdom under Nero with extraordinary reminders to someone whose faith looks for the moment smaller than a mustard seed. Timothy, remember the faith that was so strong in your grandmother and your mother and that I've actually seen in you and you know is in me. Remember, when I laid my hands on you, God didn't give you a spirit of cowardice, but a power and love and self-discipline. Don't be ashamed of me in prison. Even here, I get to fulfill my holy calling, not one of works or merit, but one of God's own purpose. And coming from his grace, look, I may in fact die. But Christ Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, the very one that you and I proclaim. I know whom I have believed, and now that I know I am leaving the stage, I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him by entrusting the call now to you, dear child, until that day in which we are reunited. Represent well. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you. 
with the Holy Spirit living in you as well as in me. We are all called to follow. We're all called to be disciples. And we're all called to represent. Uh, you may notice that I have not belabored you with points one, two, and three. There's only one point today. Whether you wear a collar or not, no matter whether you live in the darkness of an exile or in the glow of affirmation, no matter the dankness of the jail or the wonder of boundless freedom, every place for you and me is a place to feel his hand on your shoulder, to confess that nothing counts except, as our collect says, the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ. And so, whether with big faith or little faith, you and I raise our hands in blessing to everyone around us, representing his voice, the one whose hand is on my shoulder wants you to know this, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you with the life and the immortality he has won for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.